It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We have ground the tape on the All-22 for the Dolphins' first preseason showcase against the Atlanta Falcons, and we're talking observations on the offensive side of the football here today on Locked On Dolphins. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked On Network. It is Sunday, August 13th, 2023. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, co-host of Locked On NFL Scouting. You can find our shows on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Appreciate you guys who do keep it locked in with us on a daily basis. Because we don't want to say it, we live it. It is your team every day, our everydayers. I see you. I appreciate you. And I appreciate the fact that football is back. I am back into a routine that uh, maybe it's a little tedious for some, but not for me. We, My Twitter handle is at grinding the tape. My X handle, excuse me. My Instagram handle is at grinding the tape. So we ground the tape. We got the, uh, the coach's film, and I have myself a Dolphins roster with a whole bunch of black on it, which is names that did not play against the Falcons. And I got notes on a lot of what we saw. And because of that, we're doing two shows. We're going to do an offensive show and a defensive show dedicated to breaking down some of the uh, more refined deep dive observations that I had. And I know that there's a lot of players that a lot of you were interested in hearing from as well. So with that in mind, let's dive in. Um, We're going to start with the offensive line performers. And, of course, the Dolphins did not have Connor Williams suit up. Dan Feeney, Rob Hunt, Kendall Lamb, Teron Armstead did not dress for this football game. Undrafted rookie center Alama Ualabe played the most snaps of any player on the Dolphins in this football game with 66. He went wire to wire. Uh, You also had Lester Cotton, who started, seeded the second quarter to Robert Jones, came back in the second half, played more. He played 47 snaps. Robert Jones himself played 40 snaps. Keon Smith at left tackle played 33 snaps. Uh, You had James Tunstall come in and play 33 snaps. Isaiah Wynn played 31 snaps. Uh, So you kind of work your way down, and you have players who played meaningful volume of snaps. Isaiah Wynn playing into the fourth quarter of this football game after not starting. That, of course, going to Liam Eigenberg, who played 14 snaps, along with Austin Jackson playing in the first quarter over the course of two series. So I got... I get a lot. We got a lot of players to talk about. Now we'll start with the obvious two, those players who did start and are penciled or at least have been penciled in as starters for this football team and Liam Eikenberg and Austin Jackson. I thought Austin Jackson uh, showcased uh, the athletic ability that you're hopeful is going to unlock his potential in this offensive system. Uh, you saw a lot of really good horizontal flow uh, in the run game creating good movement, showing some heavy hands in the run game to create lateral displacement. I think where he kind of got caught up in some of the reps that he took in that game was he was 
combo or working off of the first level too quickly to look to climb to the second level. And based off the combinations he was working with his left guard, no one secured the A-gap defender. So he creates good movement. He creates this flow. And then he looks to climb to the second level, but the guard hasn't secured the defensive lineman. And then the defensive lineman uncovers himself in the hole and is able to challenge the ball carrier. So when I watched Austin Jackson and the execution in the run game, the movement skills look good. Uh, I thought his pass sets looked pretty effective. Uh, he looked comfortable. He wasn't tested with the athleticism. And I mean, look, the, the Falcons played Arnold Abicady, who was a second round pick last year, into the fourth quarter. Uh, I felt bad for James Tunstall down the stretch. It's like, okay, it's a UDFA tackle. And he's getting tagged by a second round pick last year who played at Penn State and is going to be a starter for that Falcons football team. The Falcons ran out the starters to close the football game, and they did. Um, but I thought Austin himself in pass protection looked good. I think the execution of some of the concepts and working with a new right guard, uh, that was the work in progress that when you play the Texans, I want to see a little bit more improvement from. But I think overall this was uh, a fair performance from Austin Jackson. Uh, not, not quite the same warm and fuzzies for Liam Eichenberg. I still feel like balance is just an issue for him. Um, he doesn't have kind of that natural power with length to be able to jolt and create first contact. So he's a little bit more of a uh, secure and sustained type blocker, but his balance is not necessarily a strength. And in pass protection, he got pushed back uh, on a number of occasions back into the lap of Mike White and made throws harder than they needed to be. Um, and you contrast that with Liam Eikenberg versus what you got from Isaiah Wynn in 31 snaps. And Isaiah Wynn, I thought, was a dog in this football game. I thought he climbed to the second level well. I think he created good movement. I think he had a little bit better refined uh, execution on combination blocks on the interior than what we just got done talking about with, with Austin Jackson as far as oh, everybody's washing to the right and he creates this big jolt and he gets up on the second level and then he peels back and he he creates the wall on the other side. He's influencing both sides of the lane that Miles Gaskin hits coming downhill for a big time run. And I, I just thought you saw better mobility, better power, and better balance from Isaiah Wynn across 31 snaps than you did uh, for Liam Eichenberg. Now, uh, Robert Jones, I thought, played very, very well as well. I don't think he's as dynamic as Isaiah Wynn, uh, but he played within himself, and that's been something that I think has been a challenge for him in the past. And well, granted, Atlanta's depth players not having Grady Jarrett out there and David Onyemeta out there as far as defensive tackles, it's a little easier if you're not a plus athlete to play within yourself when you're not tested by that high, high, high end athleticism. But that's not to take anything away from the job that Robert Jones did. I thought he performed quite well. Uh, as far as Ulave, uh, the undrafted center uh, who played the entire wire, I just wish we had a little bit more anchor to work with here. Um, saw some times where he was a little overwhelmed, and he is undersized, uh, where he's getting outreached. Uh, he's at first contact, losing at first contact, and defenders swimming up over the top of him and creating pressure on Skylar Thompson. Um, He's a player who I think played admirably, but I just think the the physical tools right now, uh, as a guy who's maybe a little physically underdeveloped, is really going to be a challenge 
for him to overcome. So I appreciated the effort that he put forth. And I'll speak of guys who have been physically underdeveloped, but a guy who delivered a heck of a performance for you across 33 snaps. And that was Keon, Keon, Keon Smith. Keon Smith, uh, I think probably handed in the single best performance as a member of the Dolphins is what he's had uh, since he's been with this football team as a developmental type player. Really good in protection. His length, I thought he used his hands really well. Uh, I don't think he's a rosterable option for you if we're still being honest. But if we get two more preseason performances like that, we might have to start asking ourselves some questions on what we think we know about Keon Smith. I thought he did very, very well for himself to uh, latch and sustain with his hands. And with his length, it created these challenges for anybody to be able to turn the corner around him and really work uh, up past him. And he played in the uh, the first half. 33 snaps. So uh, I, I think as far as offensive linemen go, let me make sure I'm not forgetting anybody that I had prominent notes on. Um, I thought of the tackles that played, I thought Jerron Christian struggled the most uh, hand placement, strike timing and uh, weight distribution. James Tunstall uh, grading him on a little bit of a curve as somebody who did have to go against Abby Katie down the stretch, who is a like he's going to be a stud pass rusher in the NFL. He's just a little younger. And then Lester Cotton, I thought, played admirably, but I think the athletic limitations for Lester Cotton were prevalent in watching him try to sustain with all of this lateral flow of the Dolphins, whether it's the run game or it's play action pass where they're selling horizontal run to create that wash in displacement. The further those landmarks stretched, the more I thought he struggled to sustain himself. And that's something that I, when you talk about players being scheme fits for this system, that's something that I don't know that we're going to have a fix for, for Lester Cotton. So uh, those are my offensive line notes. Uh, we have a lot more notes to dive into. Obviously, we're doing two shows on the All-22 of the first preseason game. Uh, so you have that to look forward to. We are going to continue bringing the heat, and we're going to switch gears, talk about some skill players here in just a moment. August is here, and you know what that means. It is the official start of Fantasy Football Drafting Month. My hometown league kicks off in less than two weeks, and I am going to make sure I am championship ready. By trying out best ball on Underdog Fantasy, all you have to do is one live snake draft with no waivers, no trades. Underdog sets your best lineup each and every week. You can try it out with Underdog's Best Ball Mania Tournament. It is the largest fantasy football contest of all times, and it is back with over $15 million. I'll say it again, $15 million in total prizes up for grabs, including an absurd $3 million grand prize going to the winner. Last year, the winner drafted their team in July. So don't wait. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store and sign up with promo code Locked On to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code Locked On. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. 
available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I'll move down to the next section here of the uh, off-season roster. And we got skill guys and skill guys that we did not see play included, obviously, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, Alec Ingold, uh, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Braylon Sanders, uh, Robbie Chosen, Durham Smythe. You know, casually, the vast majority of players who are going to be uh, on the 53. But I'll start with the tight end room because I think this is a really interesting collection of talent. Uh, we did not see terms Durham's might perform. I think Tyler Croft is kind of quietly moving up the rankings. And we kind of slept on the Tyler Croft signing because Croft was a late addition. He was not a part of the original wave. But I don't know how you watch what Tyler Croft did and you compare and contrast that to what we've seen between training camp and now a preseason contest from Eric Saubert and feel like Croft is not ahead of Eric Saubert uh, as far as execution. And I don't know that that's necessarily a big surprise because Eric Saubert has played in Denver and Tyler Croft has spent the last several seasons in branches of this offense between the New York Jets and the San Francisco 49ers. But I thought Croft played pretty darn well. And Croft, case in point, uh, from a volume perspective, played 29 snaps. And I thought the fits and split flow were good. I thought the execution on the backside against defensive ends to make sure you were preventing backside rundowns uh, on the weak side away from the, the run action was good as well. There's not going to be a ceiling here as a pass catcher, right? Croft was on the field for 29 snaps. He pass blocked on two. He run blocked on 17 and he ran 10 routes. But if that's the expectation for your tight ends, like, okay, we're going to live in that world, right? And there were some big-bodied guys who did contribute uh, to both the blocking and the passing that, that caught passes, and we'll talk about them uh, in just a moment. But I thought Saubert um, really could have used a strong performance. I don't think they got one, and Sauber played 24 snaps. He had a pretty reasonable amount of volume as well, and his ratio of, of run block uh, to pass routes was about the same as Tyler Croft's. But I thought Croft did a better job of execution, securing his blocks, correctly working to the right space, correctly securing and sustaining blocks. Croft moved the needle for me, I'm going to be honest. And Saubert's on a one-year deal worth... It's like $1.6, $1.8 million with that, like $800,000 of that guaranteed. Um, I'm just going to be watching it as we go from here. I'd like that to work out, obviously, for, for both Eric and the team uh, versus Tyler Croft. I don't know that they will both make the 53-man roster. Um, but I can tell you one guy who is trending very much towards making the 53-man roster, and it is Elijah Higgins who played 22 snaps. He ran 16 routes and blocked on six plays of his 22. Now, he had the big catch, uh, ran the, the um, I want to call it a rail route. It's more of a like a shallow wheel up the sideline. Tyler Skylar Thompson gets into scramble drill. 
Higgins stops, works back downhill, makes the catch, breaks out in the middle of the field. That was his big reception. And then on the next play, caught a split flow action the other way um, that I thought was a ball that was a little late and really robbed Elijah of a chance to turn north and get upfield. But Higgins, for six plays in the run game, he lined up at fullback on more than one occasion. Uh, I thought he did a really nice job on the backside of, of one run. Uh, that was a zone run that he ran the backside cut off and really latched on the end man in the line of scrimmage and put him down into the ground. Uh, so for a former wide receiver six-round pick converting to tight end, there's some traction here. I think I feel it. I, I feel his versatility. And you take Elijah Higgins as a former receiver and his physicality, and then you take what Eric Ezukama was able to do for you. And if you really boil Eric Ezukama's performance down to, to – just kind of the bullet points. The dude was an absolute dog in the run game. Uh, he was relentless. Now, he was on the field for 26 snaps. Uh, he carried the ball twice, and of the other 24 snaps, he ran 17 routes, and he blocked on seven. And he got after dudes in the blocking. Uh, created a lot of displacement by Nichols and on the second level. And he's getting up and, and he's mean mugging guys as he's walking back to the line of scrimmage. So he, you could tell he, he was really into the game and uh, hit, he hit 21. So he was a dog in the run game. He hit 21 over 21 miles per hour on the GPS on the big run end around that he ran. Uh, the first end around that he ran, he was boxed in by a defensive end that got left unblocked on that jet motion. And he made that player miss spun out of it. He's three quarters of the way around the spin and he gets his eyes north again and identifies two blockers that, or two defenders that are inside with blockers on the outside, parlays the spin into an outside bounce, gets up the sideline and gets a, a big chunk game and stiff arms the defender along the sideline to make sure he's, he's falling forward at the end of the run. And then I thought he had a, the nice toe tap catch along the sideline. There's a lot of good for Eric Azukama in this performance. And that level of versatility, bringing that and seeing the, the full picture of how he's getting, he's mixing it up with defenders like Trent Sherfield in the run game. I don't, I don't think Trent ever put a guy on his back. Like as put one of those DBs on his back on Friday night, but then you got 21 miles per hour on the gun. Then you got the, the short area elusiveness and the physicality with the ball in your hands. That has the potential, that layer has the potential to add a totally different element to this offense if Ezukam is going to build off that. So I'm highly intrigued to see what it looks like. Um, I thought Braxton Barrios had a couple reps where he had really good initial separation. Uh, ball maybe not necessarily fully on time. I know the one target down on fourth down on the, the crossing route. Uh, Mike White kind of had to step up and hitch and wait to get to a second throwing window based on the uh, vicinity of the blocker and the defender that was directly in front of his face, which was a bummer because if the ball came out on time as uh, Barrios was crossing over the center to be a touchdown, um, but that route had to continue carrying and it was man coverage, so he had to carry and run away from it. And then I thought he had one uh, on a third down target where his arm was hooked and tried to catch with one hand. That was a ball that was pretty well placed from Mike White that I was surprised they didn't get a break on. 
but I, I thought Barrios showcased some some nice separation for you as well. As far as other wide receivers, I know Ezukama was kind of the big one for me. Uh, Devon A. Chain, running back position. Um, shout out to Miles Gaskin, ran hard, uh, smooth cuts. Uh, had one really nice cut coming out of the mesh point. Jump cut, sticks his foot in his ground, gets north, um, creates something out of nothing. I think Miles Gaskin is the quintessential replacement level running back, but if things are good around him, you can get production for him. And I, th- I did think the Dolphins, their offensive line, I thought run blocked fairly well uh, throughout the course of, especially the first half uh, when Isaiah wins in the game and, and you've got Austin Jackson in the game and uh, Rob Jones played some of, of the right guard position and Keon Smith was out there as well. So I, I thought the run game in the first half was, was the strength of the Dolphins offense. Uh, but for Devon A-Chain, he needs to be better in pass protection to demand an early role. Uh, Almost all of his pass protection reps that I noted were cutting down low on free runners coming through gaps in the second level. And some of them he got pretty good. Some of them he did not. And uh, even the ones that he got pretty good. If that's the world that you're going to live in where you're going to go low on guys all the time, you're going to open yourself up for guys splaying off you with their hands, guys being able to still get their hands up and, and contest throwing windows in your quarterback's face. Um, So that for me was what I was eager to watch. I didn't think we had great push, um, especially in the second half in the run game. Obviously, he was 10 for 25 yards. Uh, He had one big negative run on a busted block up front, which was a bit of a buzz kill. But I I thought he ran admirably hard. Uh, I think you see the upside as a pass catcher. You saw the explosiveness the few times he got in the open field, the one catch up the right sideline where he accelerated for about a 14-yard gain, obviously the opening kickoff return that he had that, that put the Dolphins in plus field position. But rookie rookie running backs have to ace two tests before they get on the field with any level of consistency, and it's ball security and it's pass protection. And that is where I'm going to keep a very watchful eye down the stretch for Devon H. And we're going to talk quarterbacks, Mike White, Skylar Thompson, split the duties of this contest 50 50, uh, one half a piece. That's what we're going to bring this episode of Locked On Dolphins to a close with. Football season is just about to kick off, and FanDuel is giving you a chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you'll get bonus bets back every time they win in the regular season. So if you want to pick the Dolphins to win the big dance this year, you'll get bonus bets back from FanDuel for every game the Dolphins win throughout the course of the season. And you can use those bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. Get in the action. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. 
available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's a quarterback play. Uh, I know there's been a lot that's been made about the uh, QB2 battle and it being pretty underwhelming uh, throughout the course of the, uh, the night on Friday. I would generally agree with that assessment. What I would say my biggest big picture observation is, is this. I don't think Mike White played spectacularly well or exceptionally well. But I think the difference between him and Skylar Thompson was exceptional. Uh, um, Skylar Thompson did not play a good football game on Friday night. And I understand you're trying to evaluate him in the midst of the struggles of third and fourth string offensive linemen in some cases, especially when they're going up against starting defenders for the Atlanta Falcons like James Tunstall did. And, you know, Epicady beats Tunstall with an inside move uh, for a strip sack down the stretch. Uh, it looked like the interception that Skyler had was a tipped pass on that ball that came in hot and high that was ran back after the Dolphins uh, gave up the punt return for the touchdown to uh, lose ground in that football game. So some some of these things were extenuating circumstances beyond Skylar Thompson's control. But there's also opportunities where the protection is set and the Falcons bring a fifth rusher and it's away from the way the center turns and you as the quarterback have to understand if that extra pressure comes, it's your responsibility. And he either doesn't see it, he doesn't feel it, he feels it late. Uh, the first interception that he had was a deep, deep ball to uh, Elijah Higgins, which was a horrendous decision. Uh, I think you watch his feel and rhythm as a passer and on routes that work across the middle of the field. You'll see extra steps with his footwork. I've, I've kind of referred to Skyler as being more of a general accuracy passer than a pinpoint accuracy passer. I think footwork compounds that at times. I think you see him get up on his toes a whole bunch to try to see up over top of offensive linemen, and um, that can compound your accuracy issues as well. Uh, but I thought from a execution standpoint, Skylar Thompson did not play to the standard that I would have of a quarterback who was with your team last year and started some football games for you down the stretch and you were looking to seek growth. I thought the decision for Mike White on the ball that was intercepted down in the red zone was a poor decision. It was an overly ambitious decision. Looked like it was probably a little bit late, and he's, of course, rolling to his left, so you get a compound. you got to flip yourself all the way back around to throw the football. All that said, he did put it right on Tyler Croft's hands. <laughs> it did technically hit both of his hands and, and when, when you watched it frame by frame. Uh, but Croft was was contacted right as the ball arrived. So expecting him to catch the ball is is not realistic, and I would put the decision to throw that ball into that super tight window uh, on on Mike White. But I thought Mike White did uh, a pretty solid job from a timing and footwork perspective. I think uh, the rest of his his throws he threw with, with pretty good accuracy and pretty good timing. 
I thought, especially on the opening drive where they were really kind of buzzing before that interception. Um, and, and they, they moved the ball in the first half. Uh, I think they moved the ball with, with pretty reasonable consistency. And I think Mike White has a nice feather in his cap here in the battle for QB two, that if it's going to look like that, it's not a battle in my mind, it's Mike White. And then there's a large gap to Skylar Thompson and, uh, he's, he's going to have to turn it up and, and I'll be interested to see against Houston. If Skylar gets in with the players that Mike White played with, say you get the starters for a quarter or a possession, and then you seed it to kind of the players that started this game, put Skylar Thompson with the same group that Mike White had that success with in this contest and see what it looks like. But I came away from this contest Highly discouraged by the uh, performance of Skylar Thompson. I think Mike White played okay uh, with a looming bad decision in the red zone. And uh, he also had a couple throws that I thought were really nicely placed throws with having to deal with traffic right in front of his face. Uh, and getting those throws out is a win versus Skyler, with, who averaged about three seconds time to throw across the course of the entire game that he was out on the football field. So, uh, that's my thoughts on the Dolphins offensive side of the ball. We will be back with defensive notes and another episode of Locked on Dolphins coming at your way in the very near future. So plan accordingly. I'm Kyle Krabs. Fins up. I appreciate you guys checking on the show. Make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins because it is your team every day. Shout out to our everydayers. And I will talk to you all again soon. To go over defensive notes from the All-22. Peace. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.